I'm Jose. I'm the lead pastor. And I'm Taylor. And we have an exciting message. We're going to talk about relational connection, but before we get to talking about that, I want to real quick talk about this series, Church That Heals, and why I really believe it's so important. Cypress Creek Church is a church that heals. We want to be a church that is open to people that need healing, and we want to be a church that continues to heal. We say it often, we're a group of imperfect people following a perfect Savior, and we may know a lot, but it's a matter of this knowledge transforming our hearts and healing us from the inside out. And as we do that, I really believe that we'll be able to build a community, change a city, reach a country and world. So that's why this is so important. Jesus talked, taught in John chapter 9, and then we're going to go to John chapter 5. And in John chapter 9, the disciples see a person who was blind, and, and they try to figure out why. Why did this happen? Was it something to do with the parents, or was it something to do with this person's sense? So they're trying to figure out why this person has this issue. And Jesus very clearly states why. He says this in John chapter 9. He says that this happened so the power of God can be seen in him. And so I want you to think about issues maybe that you're dealing with, relational issues. We'll talk about that this morning. We'll talk about other things, boundaries and processing pain in the weeks to come. Why do these issues happen? I believe that it's so that the power of God can be seen in him because when Jesus heals us, Jesus is glorified. In our life. And, and then in John chapter 5, Jesus is asking this question Do you want to be healed? We'll go back to that verse here in a little bit. And so we want to be a church that heals. Yeah, we want to be a safe place where when our issues and our hangups, our joys and our struggles, and they add up in our lives as we just walk day to day. And we want to be a place and not just a physical place, but people who represent a good and perfect God, who we can go and walk out our healing processes and bringing others in. So last week, Sean kicked off the series talking about these three ingredients um, of grace, truth, and time. And we looked at the parable of the fig tree alongside a short video from Dr. Henry Cloud, and we're going to watch a second video later on. And so we took this parable of the fig tree, and basically the, the owner of the vineyard has this fig tree, and it's dying. And so he's like, let's get rid of it. Well, the gardener comes along, and he sees something, and then he said, no, 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 hold on. Before we get rid of it, let's give it grace, truth, and time. So they cut off the branches, they dig it up, then they fertilize it, putting truth into it, and they say, let's give it a year. And so today, as we move forward and talking about relational connection, mm -hmm. the truth is, is that we all need relational connection. For some of us, we hear that word connection, and it gets us really excited. We're like, we love to be connected. People are so fun. For others of us, we are looking for the exit to get out of here really fast. So myself, Taylor, I am an introvert. I need time alone to recharge. I really only need a few key relationships in my life to feel like I'm thriving. 
And I'm an extrovert. I've never met a stranger. I love being in groups, large groups, especially stadiums. That's my happy place. The more, the better, the energy, all of it. I feed off of it, and I would talk to anybody that's willing to listen. Yeah, and along with that, I'm an internal processor. So when things come my way, emotions, a bad day, really great things even, I just need time alone. I need to think through them. I need to reason it out before I'm able to talk it out. And I don't get that because I need to process things externally. And so I'll share what's going on with me, and and I I need to process it. And what ends up happening is I take you into the roller coaster that happens here. And so many years ago when we got a, a literal phone call and we were asked to step in as the youth pastors uh, here at Cypress Creek Church, we were living in Washington, D.C., we were talking about moving in and, and immediately we did. We don't do this perfect much, but we did it right this one time. One time. And I thought, okay, she needs to internally process all of this information I need to externally process, so I'm gonna go ahead and take a hike. Literally, go run for about 40 minutes and let her internally process and then come back and then take her on my roller coaster after she's already strapped the seatbelt on. It was great. It was great. It worked and with out. emotions, I tend to ride this steady line. Good things appear, bad things, I just kind of stay in the middle. Don't have a lot of outward expressive emotion. Doesn't mean I don't have them, but they just don't come out. And for me, it's kind of easy to either tell you what I'm feeling or express myself. I grew up in a very emotional, very loud, very passionate family. And that, I, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> which, which is great because both of us, as you can tell, we were made for one another. Really, we weren't. <laughs> we are polar opposites, but we have learned how to work through some of this stuff. And, and we've learned that relational connection is really important. And the key ingredient here is vulnerability. Let me talk about the Bible. So vulnerability is something that we struggle with because we've been hurt. We've all, we all have issues. We all have things that people have said or people have done, and that has caused hurt in us. And so you may be here at church and, and, and maybe thinking, hey, I don't want to talk about vulnerability. Don't ask me to, to share with you what I'm feeling. And I, I get that. No, I actually get that. Well, I'm getting that because she's teaching me how to get that. The point is, is that the Bible is very clear from the very get-go, Genesis chapter 2. We are told that we were created for relationship. Relationship with our Father in heaven, yes, but also relationship with people here on earth. In Genesis chapter 2, Jesus made Adam. In the Greek, it means humanity. And then Jesus made a suitable helper for this one man named Eve. And Eve means life in the, the Hebrew. And so we have a beautiful picture of man and woman having this relational connection. And we have this verse in Genesis 2, verse 24, 25. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two were united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They were vulnerable. They were exposed. There was no shame. When was the last time that you felt that? Emotionally. When was the last time that you were able to share whatever was inside? See, we have these hurts. We have these things that break trust and all of a sudden we get really good at hiding. Paul speaks to the Corinthians, and he's speaking to them very, very clearly. He talks to them about a lot of things. That's why he wrote two letters to these people, to this church. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul tells them, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide 
your hearts also. You need to be open with one another. And we're going to talk about what that looks like, because if you're like me, you're really good at being open with everybody. And if you're like her, you're probably not open with, you know, just a few. So we'll talk about what that looks like. But the goal here is for us to be a vulnerable people with open hearts. Yeah, and what I love about relational connection is we have a really cool image of what this looks like when we think about babies that are just first born. Babies are born and they have a huge spectrum of needs. A baby isn't born and just totally self-sufficient. Okay, go along, go do your thing. No, a baby's born and immediately that baby needs food. That baby needs to be held. That baby needs to be wrapped up and snuggled and told how cute and sweet and sweet and nice it is. But... What happens is even if you met that baby's physical needs, so you feed the baby and you make sure the baby's sleeping, a lot of times if there's not that bond with a caregiver that's taking care of the baby, there's actually a term, it's called failure to thrive. Mm -hmm. And so babies develop this thing where even though you're doing all the physical things that the baby should need, the baby's not growing, the baby's not gaining weight, the baby's not hitting all of its milestones because that baby is made to connect with another human. That baby is made to have a mom and a dad look at the baby and tell the baby how beautiful and perfect and wonderful it or he or she is. And God wants to reconcile that. God is on a mission to make all things new. If you want to know what God sent Jesus for, he sent us to be whole. And we will achieve full healing and full wholeness in heaven. But our sanctification process is a healing process. And not only that, but he wants his church to be healthy so that we can show and be an accurate representation of who Jesus is to our world. And so we're going to look at this video. Dr. Cloud's going to talk for about nine minutes on relational connectedness, and then we'll uh, finish with some application. Let's roll it. Hi, guys. So now let's hop into the first of the specific issues that drive all of these changes that are gonna heal us. Now, when you build a house, you wouldn't think of building a house without a foundation, right? But oftentimes, we're living life and there's some cracks in our very foundation. That very foundation of what it means to be human is being connected relationally. Now, we talk a lot about our connection to God, but also God has put us in bodies. We have an incarnational gospel. This invisible God created humans with real bodies and flesh, and he also created us with relationships to provide a lot of that foundational connectedness that we need in order to thrive. Let me tell you about a man that came to see me one time. He was a renowned heart surgeon and famous guy, you know, medical centers named after him but he developed an addiction. And they found out he had been sleeping with all the nurses and hospital administrators and, and just you know acting out all over the place in this famous, renowned career he had. Well, he got in a lot of trouble. But his wife and his business partners, they said, you know what, we'll stick with you if you resolve this problem. So he called me, he said, I got a plan. I had a big fall, I got a plan and I want to come review my plan with you. So he came out and we sat and blocked out a day. 
I said, well, t- you know, tell me about your plan. And, and he says, well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm spiritual disciplines. I'm going to be studying the word and I'm going to be praying and reading some books. And, and, you know, I found out I wasn't really meeting my wife's needs. And so now I'm going to, you know, every day I'm going to come home instead of checking out and having a few martinis and just vegging because I was up at four and did five surgeries. I'm going to connect with her and, 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 you know, take her on a walk and, and bring out in her what, you know, what, and all of this stuff. And he said, what do you think? I said, well, actually, I'm here getting very depressed. He said, why? I said, because I'm concerned about your wife. He said, why? I said, because you're going to do this again. I guarantee you're going to do this again. He said, what are you talking about? This is a good plan. This is what my pastor helped me. I said, I know it's, all these things are good, but doctor, let me tell you something about the human heart. This is a renowned heart surgeon. He goes, okay, fine. <laughs> I said, aren't there like two pipes going in and two pipes going out? You know, the blood comes in and then it goes out. And he says, well, yeah, kind of. I said, well, you got some clogged arteries. He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you got everything you're doing, everything in your plan is outflow. It's output. There's nothing coming in. None of this is basically going to meet any of your needs. He said, well, yeah, I guess. But it was sort of foreign to him until I asked him a question. I said, where did you learn that life was all about you just output? Just, you know, it all depended on you. And when I said that, he looks at me and he said, I can tell you exactly where it was. I said, what happened? He told me a story about when he was in high school. His father was an alcoholic, and they'd sent him off for rehab. His father disappears. And when that happened, his mother had a nervous breakdown. That's what they called it back then. She went into a psychiatric hospital for two years. He had three or four young siblings. He said, I walked out into the yard, and I realized, I guess it all depends on me now. And he had to parent those kids. And he started giving, he started serving. He said, then I went to college, I was pre-med, and I studied all the time, and I worked, and all this kind of stuff. And then I went to medical school, and then I went to residency, and then I started doing surgeries. And for 15, 20 years, he said, I'm up at four every morning. I do surgeries and, you know, all this administrative. He said, yeah, that's all I do. He said, is that what you're talking about? He said, I have been on output mode for a long time. I said, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, when I think of you, wherever you live, I don't know what life has dealt your way, but, you know, people get abused, people get neglected. Some parenting styles really don't fill up a kid to grow up into a connecting person. Sometimes you were that way and you find yourself again in a context now that I mentioned that, that you're just really, you have people around you, but the clogged arteries of not receiving by being vulnerable what you need from others, you're not getting filled up. You're running on an empty tank. There's a lot of symptoms that come from our feeling emotionally disconnected. You know, feeling like our needs for comfort and support and healing and nurturing and even encouragement that we're not really getting that because it's hard for us to trust. It's hard for us to walk in that space of vulnerability. You know, I bet you've been on an airplane sometime in the last couple of years. When you're on the airplane, did you notice that you got your cell phone, you're, you're working on stuff, but it hits a limit. 
you can only work on the email or the problems or the data and, or the applications that you have on there. Well, as soon as you land that plane, what do you do? You hit the power button and it, and it, it, it jumps to life and immediately, see there's a chip installed in that phone. And immediately, up in the top left-hand corner, what does it say? Searching, searching for a connection. And then it connects to that network, and what happens? It goes to a whole different level. Updates are installed that make the symptoms go away. Programs are installed that allow it to get to the next level. Well, think about your symptoms. The depression, maybe the eating disorders, the anxiety, the addictions, like I mentioned, stress and burnout. Well, a lot of those bugs that we carry around, those can't get better until we're connected and the network, some significant, loving, caring, grace-filled relationships around us can begin to provide the comfort and the healing that you need. But oftentimes we're cut off from that. I've never seen an addiction. I've never seen a stress problem. I've never seen a depression. I've never seen any of this stuff or a relational issue or a performance issue. I've never seen it get better without this core ingredient of connectedness that God provides for us. You know, you think about the gospel. That's the first step, right? God doesn't give you a program, a diet program, or here's how you get over anxiety program and download it, you know, from the mountaintop. Oh, yeah, he did that, right? He gave us a program. It was called the law. Moses came, and he said, here's the way it works, guys. But it didn't work. The Bible says that it was powerless to work. These rules and these methods and following these, these, these plans absolutely necessary and absolutely insufficient. So the law was meant to show us how we ought to be, but we're unable to reach it. Why? Because we didn't have the connection with God and with his body, with his people. Didn't have the connection that was going to fuel us to be able to reach those standards, fuel us to be able to continue in that growth path. You may be trying to do everything you know to do spiritually, relationally, emotionally, but the fuel is missing. You know, you take somebody with an addiction and they've been struggling over and over and over and over and they repent and they, they feel bad. They say, I'm going to do it this time, but they keep going back into it and it happens for years and years and years until somebody comes along and says, hey, why don't you come join my group here where we deal with stuff like that? And what happens? They show up in that group and they begin to open up and they get reconnected. And this magical, unexplainable spiritual dynamic, philosophers, physicists, everybody's been trying to explain, what's this mind-body? How can it, something immaterial, invisible, like love, how can that fuel a physical being to get to a higher level and overcome stress and anxiety and disease and all this stuff because, because they're in a supportive environment. How does that work? We don't know how it works, but it works. Well, I'll tell you why it works. It works because God, this invisible spiritual being, this energy called love who is a person, when he connects with us, and here's the kicker, and he tells us that now that he's ascended, that he's put his spirit in others, so where two or more are gathered in one place, he's connecting with you, that that connection, that's as Ephesians 4 says, that body being connected and held together 
when it begins to do this, it says the whole body heals itself up or heals itself as each part does its work. So when we sit in a group and we start to express our pain and somebody's there and they hear and they nurture and all of that, this magical healing begins to happen. You take an infected finger, you put it in a drawer, tell it to study a book on anatomy. It's not going to get well. But that book on anatomy says it needs to be connected to the body that's going to give it new blood, new oxygen, and immune system, and all this stuff. So you get it back connected, and then the healing happens. Doctors will tell you they don't heal anybody. They just do for the body what the body needs to heal itself. Well, God has called you to be in this kind of vulnerable, connected, bonded place. I hope that's where you are now, and if you're not, I hope you get into one. So you can be part of a church that heals, a group that heals and you get reconnected from a vulnerable place. And as you do, you're gonna find incredible healing that you didn't know was possible. At our house, our favorite game to play is hide and seek. Ayla's about to turn seven, Micah just turned five, Samuel's turning three, and Ezra's about to be two. And it's fun. By and large, I'm the best hider. And everybody knows it. Ayla lets me know every time. Oh, man, I hear it. You know, she's going down the hall. Dad's so good at hiding. Dad's so good at hiding. And it's a point of pride for me. And then it just dawned on me as I was enjoying the silence of being in a place, surprisingly. I was enjoying a moment of silence all by myself in this hiding place. This is what happens when we get older and older and are hurt. We hide. And we get better at hiding. And we come to church and we come to church still hiding from these hurts and from these wounds and from these relational wounds that we have. So what does it look like to heal? And what I love about that video and what Dr. Cloud laid out for us is that healing, and we're not just talking like physical healing. Yes, we need that too, but we're talking emotional and mental and spiritual healing. And so he lays out healing is a, a, both a vertical process and a horizontal process. We need to be connected to our maker, the one who knows all of our thoughts, every gift he put inside of us, the things that he loves about us, the things that he wants to refine in us. We need to be connected to our creator. And additionally, it's horizontal because we are not self-sustaining beings. Personally, I'd love that, but we're not. <laughs> We need connection here, and we also, at times and throughout our life, we need connection coming in from others to pour in and add that fuel, the word he used there, to us to remind us who we are, who we're made to be, and where we're going. What I love about the babies that I was telling you about who get that label, failure to thrive, the only way that they have shown throughout science, you can Google it, is healing for those babies is a positive connection with a caregiver. Mm. So that may be the mom or the dad, or that may be someone that steps in that role. But when that bond starts to be formed between baby and caregiver, that baby starts to grow. It gains weight. It hits milestones. It rolls over. It laughs. It smiles. All of those things. Because that baby has fuel being poured in from the outside. So we do this process vertically to have connection with God, and we do it and allow other people into our lives. And additionally, we're also using this other arm, and as we go on our own process, we're pulling others that are in our lives and in our circles of influence along with us saying, hey, look, over here, go this way to God. 
And the thing about both the vertical and the horizontal is the key is vulnerability. Yeah, Paul speaks to this again in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. He's talking about the body and how we all have gifts. And uh, Dr. Cloud talked about this a little bit. But he says, instead, we will speak the truth in love. This is saying, instead, what is he saying instead of? Well, instead of being tossed back and, and fro from all of the deceitful schemes that the enemy's trying to throw at us, even elementary teachings, all of these things, he's saying, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the vision for us to be healthy, to be a healthy individual, to be a healthy church, to be growing spiritually, individually, to be growing spiritually as a church and full of love. And as we do this, I do believe not only will God be glorified, but he's going to be famous in our community. We're going to see things change as we really seek after our own healing. And so when Navy SEALs go on a mission, and I picture, you know, the dead of night, and they're all geared up, and night gear, and goggles, and all the other things that I don't know what they do, but they land on the mission, and there's three questions that they ask. The first question is, where am I? So do this right now, personally, where are you? What are some of these issues? What are some, maybe some relationships that, that have hurt you? Some of these wounds, some of these areas that we are hiding in. And, and it's fun because I think about these Navy SEALs pretty intense. They're right there, but they're self-assessing first. They're checking in before they move forward. Yeah, so what are those things? What is going on inside each one of us? So where am I? The second is where is the enemy? So they're looking around, uh, trying to figure out in which direction is the enemy coming. As we go through our life, there's a lot of joys and a lot of great things that happen, but oftentimes there's a lot of hangups and struggles and issues and things that just add up. And when the enemy, his only job is to kill, steal, and destroy. So he's going to do everything in his power to do that to each one of us. He's going to break marriages. He's going to break relationships. He's going to try to come in and totally suffocate, isolate, mm -hmm. make us disconnected from our creator and from each other. And so when we're asking, where is the enemy? What we're doing is we're calling out those lies. Mm -hmm. Where has the enemy fortified thoughts that are in our minds and our hearts or beliefs we have about ourselves or the people around us? It can look like I don't have value. I'm not good enough. If I just could do this, if I just was successful, if people just cared, all of these things that add up and isolate and disconnect us from our maker and from those around us. And the key thing that the enemy is going to try to use here again is, is isolation. I think of 2020, and I think that he's been really successful at trying to isolate us in many, many different ways. And so if that's where you are, if you're isolated personally, you may be in this room or you may be in a stadium where I love to be and, and still feel isolated because there's a difference between isolation and just being alone. And, and I think about what the enemy is trying to do compared to what Jesus is trying to do, and he's trying to breathe life 
into us. And he's trying to not only do that, but give us this life that he promises in John chapter 10, 10. He's giving us life and life abundantly. That's what he wants for us. And his truth triumphs over the enemy. Sometimes we think that the enemy is a person, especially in 2020. The enemy is not people. If we believe in Jesus, then we're putting our hopes on on, on something greater that's beyond this world. And we know that the Bible teaches that the enemy is not of flesh and blood, but of the spirit. And so in order to attack the enemy, we need spiritual disciplines. We need to attack it from a spiritual manner. And we need to receive that healing from a spiritual place as well. So where am I? Where is the enemy? And where is my buddy? Thinking about a Navy SEAL, it's funny to think that that would be one of the questions that they'd ask. Like in my head, I picture like a macho man who has everything together and is going for war. Where's but my buddy? Where's my buddy? Where's my buddy? Where's my buddy? And so what our hope is, is that you have someone. Maybe that mm-hmm. looks like a spouse. Maybe that looks like a close friend. Maybe that looks like a mentor or a parent. But a lot of us, we may not have that. And so... One thing that Cypress Creek Church is built on is community groups. That's a small gathering of people that create a safe environment where we can process out loud and to the people around us some of the struggles that we're going through. Some of the things we have to share may be appropriate for a group setting, but sometimes they're not. And so reach out to your community group leader. Take them to coffee. Say, hey, I want to talk about something going on in my life. We also have an incredible prayer ministry team Mm -hmm. led by our prayer pastor, Rhonda Patterson, and they are here to pray for you, mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. You can put a prayer request on, uh, online at prayer at cypresscreekchurch.com any hour of the day to pray for what is going on in your world. And I want to close with uh, this passage that we looked at earlier. It's in John chapter 5, and, and worship team, you guys can come back up because sometimes when we're looking at these questions, and we're looking at where's my buddy. You may find yourself in, in the situation that this man is in. So it says, and now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? So this is the question that Jesus is asking us. Do you want to be healed? But check out what this man's response is. Let's keep on reading verse 7. Verse 7, here we go. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I am going another steps down before me. So this man did not have a buddy. This man didn't have somebody to walk alongside him or to help him, you know, cure whatever he was going through. And what I want to end with today is I believe that healing is going to happen as we close. Maybe it's already happening in your life as you've looked in just in our time together. But I really believe that healing is going to happen because, yes, we need one another. But our primary healer is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's cool because he was both God and man in this case. See, Jesus said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. So Jesus was both man and God for him and for us. He is our Lord, but we are his arms and feet. We get to be a part of God's healing in other people's lives. 
And Jesus doesn't will us into healing. He doesn't forcefully hold us there and let us not live our lives. He gives us that opportunity. From the beginning of time, when we look in Genesis, it's a choice. And it's because of God's goodness and kindness that he offers us this connection to him. And he offers us, at times, unmerited favor, grace, and truth, and things that fertilize and fuel us to be poured in from the outside. And we get to live and love, which is grace and truth and action over time. I want to do something. We didn't do this last service, but just have a feeling. If you're a community group leader, prayer ministry team, I know we don't have too, too much room, especially with COVID stuff, but let's go ahead and uh, uh, go to the wings. I want to pray. And, and if you need to process, that time may be now. And that's why we're here. We're, hearing, we're here to allow God heal. We want to be a church that heals. So let's go ahead and take a moment, just if you feel comfortable, to go up and maybe pray with a safe person, not a perfect person, but a safe person. And specifically, I just have this feeling that some of us are walking into this, hearing us talk about this, when you have a church hurt. You've been hurt by somebody in church authority. And I want to say, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry that that happened to you. That that hurt is real. But the one that hurt was a man or a woman, imperfect and not, not our perfect heavenly father. And so I, I, I want you to process that healing with your savior, the only one who can save, the only one who can truly forgive and restore, and that is Jesus, so that you can now be a, a used by him to powerfully be a part of somebody else's healing. If you feel comfortable, go ahead and stand as I pray. Father, relational connection is hard because we hurt one another. And that is not a reflection of who you are. And so for that, we say we are sorry. We are sorry for the hurt that we have caused purposefully or sometimes not even knowing that we were hurting somebody else. But Lord, we want to be a, a church that is healthy and that is growing and that is full of love. And so I ask God that your grace would be poured over us as we close this morning, as we sing this song. I ask that we would be overflowed by your grace. That we would receive that healing that we need, be it physical, emotional. Father, we thank you that you've called us to, to work out this process of healing with one another. God, I pray for a supernatural ability to be vulnerable with one another as we leave from this place. I pray for safe relationships to be established or restored. And I ask for a mighty move of your spirit through your church, Cypress Creek Church, and, and through our community, God. We want to be a church that heals. I pray this in Jesus' name.